0: This is Suno India production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now.
1: Did you know that India ranks first in the number of road accident deaths across 199 countries? According to the Ministry of Road Transport and Highways, about 80,000 people are killed in road crashes every year in India. This is 13% of the total fatality all over the world from road accidents. The death of former Data Group chairman Cyrus Mistry in September has renewed efforts to improve road safety across the country. The International Road Federation found 30 safety hazards on the roads that Cyrus Mistry was on. And since then, Union Minister for Road, Transport and Highways, Nitin Gadkari, has said that even economy models of cars will have six airbags. In Karnataka, there is a fine imposed on passengers not wearing seatbelts in the rear seats. Hi, this is Surya Mukherjee, your host for the episode of Suno India Show. I spoke to Piyush Tiwari, the founder and CEO of Safe Life Foundation, which focuses on road safety. He is best known for his work to pass a good Samaritan law in India. I spoke to him to find out what are all the things we can do to make our roads safer. So the union ministry Nitin Gadkari is going to make it compulsory for even economic models of cars to have six airbags. Uh, But then we've also had a road safety body, uh, you know, reach out to him and write a letter saying that that's going to actually make it more dangerous for people uh, if they're not using seat belts, right? So can you tell us a bit about like, uh, you know, what are the different ways in which we can have a safer time on roads? What are the different things that we can do? And what are also the things that we need to take into consideration that maybe people are not realising as we are planning all of these changes?
0: So uh, firstly, uh, we very much welcome the move by the uh, Ministry of Road Transport and Highways to introduce uh, enhanced uh, safety measures in our cars, including additional airbags. I think people who are asking for withdrawal of this notification probably have their own interests uh, because of which this is happening, because there is no data uh, to show anywhere in the world uh, that enhancing the number of airbags actually increases injury. It's counterintuitive uh, for someone to actually mention that. Now, prior to the notification for additional airbags under the Central uh, Motor Vehicle Amendment Act of 2019, the government of India has already mandated the use of rear seat belt. And uh, the implementation of that has now been In the recent uh, weeks uh, after uh, some of the uh, horrific crashes that we have seen. So, uh, for someone to simply ask for a safety measure to be withdrawn uh, without any data and without an understanding of the law, I think is a bit counterintuitive. So, uh, we definitely don't uh, support that part. Uh, In terms of what needs to be done, of course, it goes beyond uh, car safety. Uh, A large number of our uh, citizens use uh, roads as walkways uh, because there are pedestrians. There are a number of cyclists involved. A large number of poor families in rural villages and rural areas uh, use uh, buses uh, for commute. Um, And there are other formal and informal modes of transport. So there is a, a significant need for us to expand the aspect of vehicle safety specifically and go also to these general modes of transport that the public is using uh, in order to prevent uh, deaths and injuries and road crashes. Now, that's one. The other things that have to be done uh, go beyond vehicle safety. And uh, the number one that I can think of in that space is, uh, you know, the aspect of road engineering, as how are we fixing uh, road engineering overall? What are we doing to preempt issues that uh, poor engineering might cause as far as road safety is concerned, and preemptively addressing uh, those aspects or addressing them, um, you know, at the very least uh, in a reactionary manner once an unfortunate incident occurs. The other thing that has to be done is, you know, the aspect of licensing and training. Again, uh, both issues have been addressed in the law lately in the 2019 amendment, but unfortunately, the implementation is. I would say less than 20% across the country. So state governments have to really take ownership in terms of reforming the licensing system, ensuring uh, proper competent training for drivers and uh, ensuring that uh, uh, you know these systems are uh, advanced and in keeping with the times that we are currently facing. And finally, the fourth thing that has to be done is in improving trauma care uh, post-crash. So... The post-crash management, how the incident is managed. uh, You know, we recently saw on the uh, Bandra Worli Sea Link in Mumbai that a crash had happened, uh, which was being attended to, and then another crash uh, happened into that crash scene. So, uh, post-crash scene management, post-crash trauma care, post-crash investigation—all of those things have to be uh, looked at and strengthened. And all of these four things have to be done in unison uh, so that uh, the impact. Uh, can be achieved at scale across the country.
1: Like you've spoken about sort of like the culture, right? Like the driving culture in India in terms of like following different kinds of traffic routes, like wearing seatbelts, wearing helmets, and even like the whole thing of getting a driver's license like in several parts of the country. You know, like I myself, like when I went for my driving test, like when the person was really kind of surprised when I said that I actually want to drive the car, uh you know like myself uh so yeah. you know like there is I mean and that was shocking to me like that it's so accepted and a part of like uh, you know culture and like cultural norms and I kind of posted about it and then different people were saying that it's maybe different in different cities or states but it, this does yeah. happen uh very widely you know that a lot of people actually learn how to drive properly after getting their license um, so, you know, the, this kind of cavalier attitude towards driving and like driving rules, like now for seat belts in the front, like if you don't wear your seatbelt, like the car, like the, you know, it beeps. Uh, but then in the back, like wearing rear seatbelts is something that kind of is not a part of our culture. And right now the government is, you know, sending letters to different states and uh, trying to make this a thing. And Karnataka police has said that they're going to fine people like one thousand rupees if they're not wearing rear seatbelts. Uh, so you know mm-hmm. what? What are the ways to say, kind of like we have these laws, but what are the ways in which we can implement it better? Like maybe this finding system or like having cars that like maybe beep if everybody in the car is not wearing their seatbelts. So like, what are some of the ways that we can deal with this?
0: Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, when it comes to driver behavior and Culture, there are two or three things that make a big difference. Uh, One, as you said, enforcement. Of course, uh, enforcement has a major impact. Even globally, we have seen that a lot of the compliance is driven by the uh, probability of getting caught and the severity of punishment. And uh, because a vehicle is treated as a weapon, uh, because it can and does kill people, there are measures that are taken from an enforcement standpoint to ensure that that weapon is in good good hands and uh, you know uh, and that we are able to prevent any damage or hurt that uh, it may cause uh, in addition to enforcement you know uh, there are of course issues of technology as you also mentioned you know there is the aspect of uh, uh, you know rear seat belt alarms there are now systems that don't allow drivers to drive drunk uh, there are crash avoidance systems available but the adoption of those systems has not been uh, very widespread and very consistent. I think to some level, uh, policy will have to play a role in terms of identifying technologies that are uh, potentially life-saving and uh, you know not severely expensive and start mandating them uh, at least for you know heavy vehicles and uh, you know buses and so on and so forth that have the responsibility of a much larger number of people than, let's say, a car. So uh, those are two things. But finally, Uh, you know, one thing that uh, we need to uh, address and fix is that uh, our training system, and our licensing system is almost entirely fractured. Um, You know, there are still many parts of the country where a license can be purchased. Uh, There are many, uh, in most parts of the country, including the capital, uh, most people are not trained formally in how to drive. Uh, They are learning to drive either at home or uh, through people who've had a certain behavior for many, many years. And therefore, Uh, You know, things like three second rule, 65 yard rule, blind spots along the vehicle, uh, anticipatory driving, defensive driving, those concepts are never even taught to our population. So we have to take a fresh look at it. And we really have to say, how is it that we can reskill the population when it comes down to driving? Because um, uh, the skill aspect remains even today a huge gap when it comes to handling the vehicle Uh, and ensuring that, uh, you know, uh, it is being driven safely on our uh, streets and highways.
1: Right. So what are some of the problems, you know, like when the government tries to engage with the industry and, uh, you know, implement these new regulations or different regulations that will make uh, cars safer? uh, what, What are some of the challenges that it faces? Like how has the industry reacted historically to such mandates or proposals
0: see we are we are very lucky to have a uh, auto industry that is extremely entrepreneurial and that is uh, you know has also lately demonstrated a tremendous amount of innovation so when it comes to safety measures i would say that 90% of uh, car manufacturers auto manufacturers uh, have either welcomed or complied with Uh, the rules that have been laid down in fact we now have India's first you know uh, safety rated cars coming out which are again Indian manufacturers they're also beginning to export those cars and so on and so forth I think in some cases uh, we have seen a little bit of resistance or opposition and I think that's largely because of a little bit of a uh, you know lack of uh, understanding that um, this measure uh, you know when you're when you're operating in India uh, our constitution says that preservation of life is paramount uh, you have to do everything that you can to be able to prevent the loss of life and you have to preserve life so uh, at some level i think those very few uh, set of people who are opposed to such standards i think they really have to go beyond profit uh, and they have to look at uh, you know um, you know how their technology uh, can benefit people and uh, you know also how it can harm them Uh, And I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, given that now the government has uh, mandated certain things, uh, I'm pretty sure that even they will sort of come around and uh, start producing cars that are safer. And uh, overall, we will see a a broadly safe, uh, you know, at least vehicular safety or a car safety environment. And I'm hopeful that it will go beyond cars, as I mentioned earlier, to other modes of transport as well.
1: Right. And are there any uh, other solutions, you know, in terms of whether it's policy measures whether it's uh, you know the design of different kind of automobiles or whether it's road design or whatever it is are there any kind of like solutions that you know about or you see in your work but that has not been discussed or is not being discussed in the mainstream
0: you know one of the things that we have to start doing is uh, and something that save life foundation has been working on and Uh, we are seeing some adoption of it, although it is very slow, is how intersections are looked at on our roads. Uh, Now, intersections are prevalent, of course, in cities, but also extensively on highways. Wherever there is a built-up area, wherever there is a school, wherever there is a, uh, you know, habitation, uh, you will have intersections there. And in many, many cases, intersections have become the hub of um road crashes in even in cities and also on highways now the solution that typically uh, you know road owning agencies propose is to build a flyover or a vehicle underpass uh, you know from under that particular intersection unfortunately that doesn't really help in prevention of crashes or deaths uh, at that point under the vehicle overpass or the or above the underpass because it only simply provides a way out for you know, vehicles that want to skip that particular part, but there are many vehicles that are continuing to use that particular site that remain there. So, uh, redesigning our intersections, uh, rethinking them from the perspective of a child, from the perspective of a pedestrian, from the perspective of a cyclist uh, is extremely important if we want to prevent uh, these crashes and ensure that our intersections are not the hubs of uh, crashes. So we have now been working with about four or five state governments and we have adopted both um, uh, some intersections in cities but also in uh, uh, on highways to start redesigning them and uh, preventing deaths and injuries there. In fact, uh, some of the intersections that we have redesigned, we have been able to eliminate 100% of uh, road crash fatalities from those intersections. Uh, in some cases, we are now advocating with the government to use that philosophy and redesign all the other intersections. So that work is underway, but that's something that as a solution uh, to your question is has a huge potential for saving lives and it's low cost because you're not building a significant amount of infrastructure. You are fundamentally redesigning and reallocating space uh, to create uh, safe spaces for pedestrians and cyclists and other vulnerable road users.
1: I'm also curious to know a bit about yourself and how you got involved in this work because obviously like we are in a country where road safety in general uh, you know it's not really a big focus of our culture it's not something that's taken super seriously and this is at different levels like going from like the common person to like you know the authorities designing roads or like you know the ones doing the license tests or whatever it is. So what got you sort of to take this so seriously and make this the focus of what you do?
0: Sure. So, you know, I unfortunately got involved in this uh, issue after losing a young family member uh, to a road crash. And, uh, you know, we started in 2008. Our initial aim was to help India get a good Samaritan law in which we were successful. In 2016, the Honourable Supreme Court in our uh, writ petition uh, instituted a nationwide good Samaritan law, which was then uh, drafted into the um, the Motor Vehicle Amendment Act and made uh, the law of the land. But, uh, you know, today it has grown from being a one-person uh, uh, you know, institution. Uh, we have about uh, 60 odd people in the organization, uh, engineers, doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, public policy specialists, communication specialists who are working on this issue. And uh, really what drives us today is a collective spirit of uh, solving a very major uh, but a largely ignored uh, public health issue and uh, um, an issue that affects a very large number of families every year uh, particularly the poor uh, because they are the ones who are most drastically affected by this issue and um, you know that mission orientation of solving a a problem is what uh, you know keeps us uh, uh, driven uh, even today and we are uh, hopeful that uh, you know, in addition to the laws that we have been able to get the country in this space, we will also be able to demonstrate that on some of the most complex roads in the country, it is possible to reduce uh, deaths and injuries, like we've done on the Mumbai-Pune Expressway on National Highway Forty-Eight, where uh, we have been able to reduce deaths by over sixty percent. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, you know, while it started off as a result of a personal loss, it continues because of uh, the zeal that uh, our team has to solve this problem uh, decisively.
1: Is there anything else you know that we have not discussed in this interview, like you that you would like to mention? Uh, for me, like you know, the, something that comes to mind is when I was in the UK. I had this friend, like you know, and people there would be really, really strict about wearing seatbelts, like even when you're in the back. Front. I remember this friend who said that you know you'll break your uh, you'll break your nose, but I'll break my neck. You know, so if somebody at the back is not wearing their seat belt, that's like really harmful for the people sitting at the front. um And I found yeah. it, and it stuck with me because of the way they said it. You know, it's like it kind of like you know rhymes or whatever. Like, so mm. what are the sort of ways in which you know maybe in terms of general awareness things that we can do, or anything else you know that we haven't discussed that comes to your mind in terms of yeah. uh, working on this issue?
0: You know, one of the things that I we've been talking about lately, uh, both at the government level as well as at the uh, institutional level, is that uh, a lot of the road safety guidance that currently exists comes from the developed world, from the Western world or from international organizations, so on and so forth. And uh, a lot of the quote unquote best practices are derived from how things happen in the West. But of the 1.4 million people killed every year in road crashes globally, 93% of fatalities are suffered by low- and middle-income countries like India. And our road situation, our population, our educational levels are dramatically different from how things are in the Western world. Uh, For instance, you will hardly see people driving the wrong side uh, in the West. Uh, If there is, it will be a huge aberration and there will be a hue and cry about it. Uh, you will hardly see on highways, uh, you know, pedestrians operating. So uh, our situation is very different, and for our uh, set of problems that we have with our roads, we have to give it a fresh look, and we have to innovate solutions. We have to develop solutions that are relevant for India, uh, and not necessarily those that are being prescribed uh, from the West. And that's extremely important uh, to consider because. Uh, You know, uh, for example, when we look at our zero fatality corridor model that we are now implementing on various highways, you have things like uh, cattle on the highway uh, that is causing crashes. You have serious infrastructure issues like gaps in the median that are causing crashes. You you have deaths happening because of improperly installed crash barriers. These are the kind of things that you will never see uh, overseas. So there they are still talking about, you know, speed and drinking and driving and all of that. And here we have some really different issues. You know, we have rear end collisions happening on our highways. There's a truck parked and somebody will just go and ram into that truck, right? From the from the rear, simply because there isn't a, a, you know, safe space available for those trucks to stop or park. So these are real issues that require customization, that require a fresh look at the problem. And the only reason why Save Life has been successful in reducing deaths on the highways that we are operating is because while we have been inspired by the Western guidance, I think every single of the solution that we are implementing is very, very, uh, you know, uh, locally thought is very, very, uh, you know, relevant to the scenario that India and Indian roads um, are, uh, you know, structured in. So I think that's one aspect of the problem solving that we have to keep in mind that anybody who's looking to solve this problem or any other problem in in this, you know, in our country, you really have to look at what's happening here and at the granular level, what the cause of the problem is and start fixing those before we start advocating for Western practices.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: this episode. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now.